Welcome to the Loose Filter Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Sims, and in this episode, number 104, I'm joined by Loose Filter Project co-founder Dustin Soyseth, and we have a conversation about musical hooks. It's a little bit on the short side, this episode, which it sort of fits the subject matter, because musical hooks are usually short and direct to the point. And uh, Dustin and I talk about what musical a musical hook is, what some of our favorites are, and uh, some reasons we think they work. So, uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Loose Filter Podcast. This is your host, Stuart, and I am here with co-founder of the Loose Filter Project, Dustin Soyseth. Hi, everyone. Uh, and and we had to uh, exercise the great depths of our technological acumen to make this conversation uh, happen by using the uh, incredibly complicated and obscure software called Skype. Yeah, it's I had... I had to get a 13-year-old neighbor to come over here. And, and <laughs> yes, it, you mean you mean your neighborhood IT consultant. <laughs> yeah, right. So today on on this podcast episode, we wanted to talk about musical hooks, which are something that are totally ubiquitous in our our music now, and it's one of those things that's you hear it so often but so many people don't think about it in like a specific way, right? Or kind of kind of recognize it as an idea that that isn't a lot of songs, right? Absolutely. Yet you know, it's you know, if you're a producer, I mean, your career is is made on the ability to generate these catchy musical ideas, right? So, what is a musical hook? Then a musical hook can be anything. It can be uh, a pattern of pitches. It can be a rhythm. It can be a texture. Uh, but it has to be uh, fairly short. It has to be repeated often, and it's almost never part of like the melodic structure of the track, right? It's not part of the tune, which mm. is why Dustin says the uh, the producer a lot of times comes up with the hooks because the the singer, if it's a singer songwriter, say will come in with a song, and the producer will need that hook because that's the part that's the earworm. Uh, because right. the, the purpose of a hook is to grab your attention and stay in your head after one listening. Absolutely. And so we wanted to start with with what we agree is probably the most famous music. Would you agree with that? The most famous musical hook of all time. So even people who know nothing of this music would recognize this. This is the opening of uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And of course, that's not new to anybody, but the, the, one of the reasons I think that piece of music is so universal is not just because Beethoven was a, a brilliant composer and human beings really respond to his music, but because of the immediacy of that rhythm and the way it's always pushing you forward. Da, 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 and then he just throws it on top of itself. I mean, you hear that movement one time and you will, on the carriage ride home, back to your, you know, manor or whatever, you will have that stuck in your head. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's easy to see why 
somebody turn it into a disco chart. I mean, it's just, it's so propulsive. And like you said, it's always moving forward, moving, 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 driving, driving. So this is something that, you know, is uh, been in music for a lot longer than pop music has been around or, or even recorded music. But with the advent of recorded music and the genres of popular music that we sort of swim in today, holy cow, has the science of hook writing just exploded. So we wanted to share with you some, uh, I guess, historical in the sense that within the last like 50 years, uh, hooks and also some that come closer to the present day that we think are really great and why we think that they work. Mm, absolutely. And our first uh, example, let's see, what do we want to go with first? How about one of the oldest ones on my list, Louie Louie? <laughs> That's right. Staple of pet bands everywhere. Staple of pet bands everywhere. And, <laughs> and of course, it's just a simple arpeggio, and the, yeah. rhythm, the rhythm is, is stupidly simple, right? Uh, yeah. let, let's hear it just to refresh everybody's memory. So that was originally recorded by the Kingsman, 1963, and uh, uh, it just, you know, from the day that song hit, bomb, 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 that will never not be in your head, right? Right. So <laughs> why does that work? Why does that work? It's, I think it, you know, one of the reasons is that it, you know, if you just take it on its own, it sounds unfinished, but it's built to run as a cycle. It's built to run into itself again and again and again. Right, Always so coming back to the same starting point. One iteration of it, bomb, 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 bomb. It's not done yet until you restart right. the hook. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. It is uh, sim- simple in its tonal pattern, just an arpeggio, mm-hmm. right? So it's easy to remember. It's only three notes. Uh, and like you said, it just loops and loops and loops. And I mean, I think, like, I think without that hook, Louie Louie is not a song anybody remembers, right? Yeah, no Cause, way. Because what's the melody? Uh, 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 uh. I mean, it's not, <laughs> there's, there's not much else. That is a hook-based piece of music. Yeah. So I, that's the one that springs to my mind, right? Is one of the, with the advent of recorded music, one of one of the most obvious ones. Uh, but another one that I love from just a few years later, from uh, 1960, somebody's going to call me out on this. Let's just say 68. All you need is love. The Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and there is the the little refrain that's not part of the verse or chorus that the, the song starts with uh, after the fanfare. course that's very familiar i would imagine to most of our listeners but the reason it's a hook is because of of how it's used right the material it's repeated but the reason i think that one works is because it's only seven beats long mm. i i think it's the meter on that one right bomb 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 it loops one beat sooner than it should 
Right. Because the verses are, 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 you know, seven beats instead of four and four or, or eight beat chunks. The choruses are in four, but the, the verses are in seven. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved that hook because I felt like it was so subtle. It was just the meter. And it's that unexpected thing. Even when you hear it, it doesn't matter how many times I hear that song, that second measure is too short. It's missing a beat. Right. And it kind of it, it pulls you forward with it. You're expecting a regular eight beat phrase or idea, and instead you get seven, and it's it pulls you back in each time. It doesn't let you sort of uh, drift off. That seems to be right. That's a connection then to the Louis Louis. So maybe that's something that uh, a hook needs to be incomplete on its back end. Yeah. Maybe that's well. We'll find out. We find. We'll find out. We'll find yeah. out. We'll find out. Um. Uh. When we were talking about this, you I think you had this example, uh, jumping closer to the present day, Sweet Child of Mine. You know, it's... It's so simple, and Stuart to, to tell the story behind it. It's so simple, but it just kind of flows and is so melodic in its own right, even though it's very basic, just uh, just arpeggios, and it just kind of sticks in there, and you really hear the contour of the line, the top notes, and it, it's, you know, on, on the one hand, again, it's just a simple arpeggio. The, the rhythm is, is static, but because of just the way the notes are arranged, it ends up being this really beautiful melodic idea. Right, and of course, the Dustin mentioned there's a story behind that. The story goes that uh, Slash, the guitarist for Guns N' Roses, of course, the band that famously wrote and recorded Sweet Child of Mine, uh, was was uh, warming up on his guitar one day before a band practice, and Axl Rose, the lead singer, walked over to Slash, the guitarist, and said, what is that? Is that a new song you're working on? That's fantastic. And Slash said, what are you talking about? He said, that, that riff you were just playing, that's a great, that's a great riff. And he said, no, man, that's just a, a guitar warm-up. That's a warm-up, a finger exercise that I used mm-hmm. to get ready to play. And so <laughs> that speaks to how basic the structure of a hook can be, Yeah, I think. And, and again, your point about it needing to be incomplete because it's an arpeggio. It doesn't land back right. on the, the one, the first note of the scale, until the, the hook loops. Um, right. And it also speaks to how basic a hook can be. I had two two examples that, to me, are so basic that they almost don't count. Like, I, I, I had a conversation with Lisette about this before uh, uh, you and I started recording. Like, how short can an idea be and still count as a musical hook? So, mm-hmm. uh, listen, this is the beginning of a track I think you'll recognize. A big, nice in the so of course that is "We Will Rock You" by Queen, right? And it's you know it's just a simple stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap. It's just it has two elements, and they repeat. <laughs> right, and there's hardly I mean, it's like pulse. It's not yeah, even a rhythm, yeah. hardly, right? Yeah, you know, and but but there's just something about it. And again, you know, it's it doesn't complete itself each time. It's stomp, stomp, clap. And then again, and, then, and so it's, right. it, it needs to keep going, and it's just something that that sticks in your head. It's it's physical, it's visceral, and then you know a great song is built on top of it. 
And it makes you, it has a kinesthetic effect, if I may put it in a highfalutin way. It makes you want to move your body. It makes you want to stomp, stomp, clap. So, I mean, I remember as a little kid, I, I am old enough to remember when that song was charting and we would hear it at the roller rink, <laughs> you know, like in uh, 1997. Uh, but the, but everybody, even in roller skates, would stomp, stomp, clap while they're skating around the roller rink. Yeah. I mean, it just got everybody physically involved in that song. And it almost didn't matter what they did after that. We were all in it. We were all in it before uh, Freddie Mercury even started singing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, now, you know, we all, you know, we've seen, um, even if this was before our time, we've seen images of, of Freddie Mercury, you know, strutting around shirtless with a mustache. And it's just when you hear that, you associate that. And it's like you become you become a rock star for a little bit. I mean, you just feel it. And you're moving around and just it just grabs you. You said that reminded you of another example. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the very beginning uh, of uh uh, Justin Timberlake's bringing sexy back. So it's, you know, it's, it's two pitches, a half step apart, you know, you mix it up, you throw in some syncopation and it's enormously catchy and it just, it's pretty funky. I should correct you. I should correct you. Uh, your 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 age is showing. Yeah. It's it's just sexy back. Oh no! You made, well, you you sounded like a dad. Yeah. You know that track by that Justin Timberlane fella. <laughs> I'm bringing the sexy back. Dustin Timbersnap. Dustin, he's my favorite. He's such a nice boy. Uh, and, go ahead. And that in turn reminds me, if you want to. Talk about how, you know, lots of composers can use very simple means to build um, really pretty compo- compelling musical structures. think there's a very famous Ligeti piano prelude made famous in the movie Eyes Wide Shut that is built in the exact same manner. So that's a, another little hook. And in fact, that's the basis of that piece. Those two pitches repeated uh, in different octaves, except instead of super funky, it's super terrifying. And and you you said that uh, uh, you had a, an example or two from Mahler, Mahler symphonies. Yeah, this is, because we were talking about how hooks are they're ubiquitous and, and universal. It doesn't matter how simple or how complex uh the, the 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 music going on around it is the the mm-hmm. raw power is is in the simplicity of a hook and even in something like a Mahler a symphony by Gustav Mahler we hear it right I think you know a, a couple of examples that are, really resonate with me uh, personally for whatever reason have always stuck with me and when Stuart and I were discussing um, you know doing a, a podcast based on the idea of a hook these moments just immediately came to mind for me. Uh, first is the very opening of a very early piece by Mahler called uh, Das Klang der Lied, or the Song of Sorrow, the Sorrowful Song, um, loosely translated. 
And it's just a simple uh, two-note horn melody. And for me, That's you know, yeah. it's, you know, and it's, you know, again, like we were talking about before, it's very open-ended, but it just, for whatever reason, just strikes me to the core. It's just like existence is saying to me, it's your move, Dustin, you know, the ball is in your court and what are you going to do? And it, it occurs several, several times throughout the first movement of that piece always is a, a big, a, a big at big moments in the music, big turning points in the music, and each time, you know, you're asked, "What, what would you like to do?" It's, it's so, so he, it. so you, he uses it in the symphony, not or in the uh, in the song. I guess the song setting would be here. He not as, um, um, uh, uh, you know, ostinato or frequently recurring idea to keep you literally hooked in. He right. uses it as something that is easily memorable and identifiable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's very short and it it doesn't immediately repeat. You just get it the one time and then other stuff happens and then you hear it again several minutes later. But yeah, it's once you hear it, it's you know you you're kind of instantly pulled in and uh, and 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 it lets you know that that something important is happening. It's an important moment in the music. So, no matter what clothes our musical ideas are are wearing, the same techniques work, right? They work in they work in mini they work in in micro they work in macro. Uh, That's right. You can be wearing a, a fedora or lederhosen, right? And they or work. you know hoop skirts with eighteen petticoats. <laughs> in the case of complicated <laughs> concert music. Uh, uh, the the other example I have now you talk about whiplash. If any of my professors from music school would hear me making this transition from Mahler to what I'm about to talk about, I think my degrees would be revoked. But we're talking about totally minimal hooks. You know, you know one that really sticks in my head. Mm. Tainted love. <laughs> I swear, I I believe that well, the biggest uh, element of the ongoing appeal of that track, of that song, is those little uh, pulses. They sound like sonar or something, right? Boop, boop. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's all. It's boop, boop. And I'm telling you, man, yeah. people hear that in a club and they run for the dance floor. And I don't yep. think they're even thinking about whether or not they particularly like the song that goes on afterward. It's yeah. just we all love hearing that boop, boop. Yeah, you know? I mean it's a it's a good song, it's a catchy song, whatever. But I don't think there's anything particularly remarkable about that song that has made it be as memorable, you know, as, as it is. I mean that's that's like that's sort of from my era, right? That's Tainted Love. I'm gonna have to yeah. look it up when it was written, but I, I'm thinking late '80s. Uh, but but I see, you know, I see college students now. It comes on and they you know react and dance and you know. I was at a wedding reception yeah. a few months ago and the DJ played tainted love and and the whole wedding everybody from age 80 to uh you know down to like 12 ran for the dance floor when they heard it okay so here's here's the deal about tainted love it was written in 1964 but it was covered by soft cell in 1981 and that's the version that we just listened to that i'm talking about 1981 
and I think it is is as much uh, a part of the hook itself. The it's is the sound. It's that weird little synthesizer sonar sound. Right. If that just and that's got to be as much of it as anything. It's instantly recognizable, and especially in 1981. I mean, we had electronic music, but it was not mainstream. And like, you didn't get a big, um, you know, I, I kind of in 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 my sense of it, one of the big breakthroughs for electronic sounds was electro, the immediate press predecessor to what we identify as hip hop. Like, uh, I'm thinking of Africa Bombada '82 uh, track where he mm-hmm. used. Uh, um, uh, you know, different samples from from electronic and things like that. So I think the fact mm-hmm. that it, that it's like you said, it's the quality of that sound in 1981 would have been so distinctive to listeners right. to hear that electronic sound. And it points to the fact that a hook doesn't really have to have any rhythmic or melodic content. It can right. just be the timbre, the quality of the sound that makes people go wah and and yeah. key in on it. Yeah, uh, I had a couple of. Uh, more contemporary examples I wanted to share that I think, huh? So let's do it. Oh yeah. That just, uh, that stick with me powerfully. And the first one is, uh, a produce, a track produced by the Neptune brothers, uh, including Pharrell for Snoop Dogg and it's drop it like it's hot. And what sticks in my head is the hook or those tongue clicks or the whatever that, you know, it's a part of the beat that goes above and beyond and is, is a super effective hook. First time I ever heard that track. I wanted to listen to it like 15 more times. Yeah. And that's, and that's an example, you know, um, very successful production team, you know, people that are sitting you know, crafting the the bones and the and the hooks and the and the the elements of, of these songs and and the you know an artist comes in over the top and, and does their thing, but it's right. And I, I should correct myself. I said the Neptune Brothers. I was conflating the Dust Brothers, who produced uh, Paul's Boutique for the Beastie Boys early masters of sampling with the Neptunes, which was Pharrell Williams and uh, Chad Hugo, who produced oh, n- near and near and far. We are really dating ourselves here, so we're just gonna. Lose listeners by the droves. Yeah. Well, yeah, they know who Pharrell Williams is. He's big. He's big. <laughs> right. This is, you know, I, I, I do think that people's musical awareness is growing. You know, I, I, as a music, you know, educator, I, I go work with like honor groups and things, and I talk to kids, like high school age kids, about what they listen to. Yeah. And starting about ten years ago, their answers really started to change. They used to be more predictable and sort of, you know, genre based and in music that was sort of aimed at their age cohort and so forth. Uh, But now, man, kids will answer. You would be amazed. People are listening to everything. So um, I don't know. I I, I don't apologize for having a frame of reference from the 90s, for goodness sake. The the other (laughs) hook, the the last hook that I have here to bring to the table, uh, and uh, I guess maybe it makes me old if I'm quoting this one because this is a track from uh, 2008. So hopefully that's not too ancient history. This is Single Ladies by Beyonce. And it's that, that little just, you know, uh, well, I'll let Beyonce sing it. Here it is. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single 
And it's really that first call, all the single ladies, because then it's just sequenced. Yeah. And then over and over and over and over and over again, right? And it just pulls you right into the track. Yeah. First time I ever heard it, stuck in my head ever since. So the last one I wanted to talk about was um, a hook, a musical idea uh, that's used uh, in two different tracks in the same album. And it's used on the, uh, in the first track of the album is in, in the, the feel is kind of introductory and then it's used at the end uh, uh, to really just like power the album home and when it comes back it's so satisfying you just want to you know you're driving in your car and you're screaming at the top of your lungs um, and so this is uh, an album by uh, LCD Sound System a uh, wonderful uh, uh, New York band uh, that's no longer in existence uh, the uh, album is this is happening and so you hear this it's just this little kind of uh, sing-song wordless melody and you hear it right at the beginning uh, of the album it sounds like this You know, and it's nice uh, because it's melodic, it's catchy. So much of the the musical texture that's going on around it is very rhythmic and chopped up, and so it's this nice lyrical contrast. And then when it comes back uh, in the end, the, the last song is like we'll just kind of this, you know, I don't, it's it's not a power ballad, but it's driving and emotional, and it's rich. The the texture is really dense. And when it finally comes in, you know, several minutes into this last song, it's just super satisfying. And so that's just, uh, it's just a little hook. It bookends the album and it's, it just. That's it terrific. Yeah. And well, and I love the way that they use it uh, a little more, you know, developmentally, so to speak. Right. So, they, they they flesh out the harmonies, and the second time around, so it's not just a, a reiteration, but yeah, they, it's the context changes, and, and it it the the core of the hook is still the same, but it's it's a slightly different feel. Sort of pushing the hook toward uh, motive territory a little bit, yeah, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, but but I hope that um, in examining these hooks that we've been able to show. Uh, how integral they are to not just, you know, sparking interest and capturing attention, but in, in helping us hang on to, you know, the structure of a song and, and um, notice what's going on in it a little bit better. It's uh, integral to songwriting. Now there are like Dustin mentioned producers who really, you know, their, their, their stake is on how good are their hooks. There are even people who are simply hook writers. They're brought in to help finish tracks by dropping hooks onto them. And that's mm. all they do is they come up with hooks and, and you can make a lot of money if you can write a good hook, which is strange to say because the ideas are so simple and they are so short, but there's the rub, right? How do you get the right simple idea? Circling back to our first example, it seems so obvious with the Beethoven, the Fifth Symphony, ba 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 ba, that rhythmic idea. But what are there like ninety something versions of that rhythm that we know of from his sketchbooks? 
that he worked and worked and toiled and toiled and toiled and toiled to distill down the idea to that essence. And so when he gives it to us, the listeners, we go, oh, well, yeah, it's obvious, but it's obvious because, you know, he, you know, refined that sucker down and extracted its, its essence and got it to those four notes in that particular rhythm. And that's the essence of a good hook. Incredibly powerfully distilled musical idea. Uh, absolutely. That's, you know, that's a, the common thread that runs through. I think all the examples we talked about is just incredibly succinct and just dense and concentrated with just, just the ability to drive home an idea or a mood or a feeling just instantaneously. So as always, all of the examples that we used, uh, that we discussed today are listed below the audio file on the post uh, on our website at loosefilter.com, along with links to where you can uh, purchase and download this music for yourself. And we hope that, you know, the next time maybe you're driving along and listening to your favorite song, you notice whether or not it has a great hook in it and how much that captures your imagination. 